Today we want to talk about facing difficult times. Facing difficult times in our lives. And this is something, sometimes when you're preaching a sermon, uh, you think about, well, this sermon's only for a segment of people. Have you ever filled out a form at the hospital and they ask you questions? And they'll ask you questions, uh, is anybody in your family ever, and they all, they, I'm, I'm summarizing, but they almost seem like, has anybody in your family ever been sick? It's like, well, yeah. Has anybody in your family ever had cancer? Well, yeah. Has anybody ever had a heart condition? Well, yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, you have to check them all. And then they want to ask you about it. So I don't know, I assume somebody did. Okay, sometimes you have to go to that level. I had a great grandpa who had a heart attack and, you know, things like that. But when it comes to facing difficult decisions or difficult uh, times in our life, everybody has had this happen. Everybody has had a health issue. Everybody has had a, or a financial or a relationship issue. Or they've had, um, you know, job issues or things that are just overwhelming to them. Things that they just don't know how they're going to handle. It is a universal aspect of life that we are going to face difficult times. Becoming a Christian, becoming a Christian does not mean that you all of a sudden do not, never have to face a rough time again. Our churches would be full every Sunday if God gave that guarantee. You just come up, sign up with me, and all of life's problems go away. Okay, I think I don't have, you'd have no problem, you know, handing out invitations for that. No problems once you come here. Okay, but God says, I'm going to take you through those difficult times, but there will be difficult times. And how are we supposed to deal with those? Many times there's tragic things that happen in our lives. Th things are tragic, and we don't see the reason why. And we may never see the reason why. We may never understand why this happened. Sometimes it's simple and we can say, I understand why that happened or I understand why this happened. But tragedy can come upon anybody's life. And whether it's you yourself or maybe you've seen somebody where tragedy has come upon them and you say, how do we handle these difficult situations? And how do we deal with this? So today I want to talk to you from Mark chapter 14 starting in verse 32. And we're going to talk about the story of Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. And we're going to talk about his betrayal. And we're going to talk about how he dealt with this situation, how he uh, was able to handle this. Now, Jesus had just finished the Last Supper. Jesus had now taken his disciples, and he had taken them through the Last Supper, a Passover meal. He had told them that one of them was going to deceive him or, or uh, turn him over, betray him. And now he goes out to the Mount of Olives, and he is going to take a pause. It doesn't just go right into the difficult time. There's a pause right here. He has just dropped a bomb on them, saying, one of you will betray me. And I can't imagine, they're all so close, and he's saying, one of you is going to turn on me. And so after predictions of the betrayal, he, he goes out and he's going to take a time for prayer. And he's going to take a time for prayer and preparation for what's about to happen. He has said all along, I'm going to be betrayed. I am going to be persecuted. I'm going to be killed by the leaders of, this, of the Jewish people. And so here he is at this time period. Gethsemane is a study of, of, is of weakness of the closest disciples of Jesus and how Christ overcomes the terror of this moment. So let's look at the story. Let's just read through it in uh, Matthew, uh, Mark 14, 32 to 52. And then went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and, be, and began 
to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went, again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again when he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know how to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be, be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came on, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him astray under guard. And when he came, he went up, up to him and, and at once said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out against us, a, a robber with swords and clubs, to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple, teaching, and you did not seize me, but let scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him. And he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. So let's just go through the story. I just want to go through the story, and then I want to talk about four things that it tells us, four things that this tells us about how we are supposed to handle difficult times in our lives. So basically, it starts off with verse 32, and they, they go into this garden, and he tells his disciples to sit there and pray. So he's going to tell them, uh, sit there while I pray, which is really interesting. He just wants them to sit there. Uh, and anybody who's ever dealt with a, uh, maybe a teacher or something like that, getting people just to sit and be quiet is a big thing. But he, all he's saying is sit there to them. I need you to be here, but just sit there and pray. And Jesus then goes out on his own. But with him, in verse 33, he's going to take Peter and James and John, and he's going to take them with him. And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Now these verses are very vital for our understanding here. Because a lot of times with Jesus, and there's going to be whole, two whole books of the Bible, First and Second John, where people are going to say, Jesus just floated around. Okay, every time you see a picture, like from a medieval painting, he's always got a halo around his head, and he's kind of doing this. You know, that's not how Jesus did. He just didn't walk around going, hello, I feel no pain. Okay, I mean, I think that's what we think about him. Or nothing bothered him. People, people, he was hurt. Okay, and the words that are used here are so harsh that the church has been struggling with these words for years because the Greek words are behind him, the whole thing behind him, the words are greatly distressed, means shock at something remarkable. It has an aspect of fear to it. You say, well, Jesus, he can't be afraid. And that can invent his, it's troubled. It's a very strong term for di distress and anxiety. I mean, you can see the pain that is coming on. Very sorrowful. 
This is a word that is used about Cain's state of mind before he killed Abel. In other words, he's very sorrowful, very troubled. And in this emotional state, he appears, he, he goes to his closest disciples and he's looking for support. Will they stay awake with him while he prays? And so he brings Peter, James, and John. These are the three that had seen the transfiguration. They had seen the, the figures from heaven come. They had been there when he had raised somebody from the dead. He says, now I bring these three with me, and they're also the boldest ones. Remember, Peter said, there is nothing that's going to stop me from following you. I will be with you till death. I love, remember, also Peter said, and these guys I'm not so sure about, but you can trust me. Peter's always big. Which is funny about this whole book is Peter looks bad in this book. You know who inspires Mark to write this? You know who Mark gets all of his stories? From Peter. So Peter's not afraid to tell us his bad stuff. I think that's really interesting because he doesn't look very good a lot of times in this book. And James and John, remember them? Can we sit in your right hand and your left hand? Can we sit there? And Jesus says, you will drink the cup of suffering. And he says, yeah, if you want to drink the cup, you will drink it. And they're like, yeah, we're ready. Well, we can handle it. So here they are, the three that he has brought into his inner circle, and he brings them with him. And he tells them, he brings them in, he says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. So he tells them, remain here with me and watch. That term is an active term to watch. It means that they are supposed to be, uh, understand what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to pray. They're supposed to support Jesus. They're supposed to be there with him in this hour of need. He is distressed in anxiety and fearful. His human side, remember Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine. His humanity that makes it so he can take the, our sins on the cross is coming out in full here. For any of us who ever wonder, can Jesus identify with our pain? Yes. These terms tell you that Jesus identifies with anxiety and fear and pain. And he knows what it's like to be sorrowful. He knows what it's like to ask for help of his closest friends. And going a little further, he says he fell on, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from them. Now this is interesting, and I don't know if I've ever understood this before. It says he moves a little further. The word there is actually micron for how little. Micron, a little further. And we think that more than likely the disciples could hear him pray because he's not that far away from them. And he is praying, and he is, he is praying aloud because nobody in our understanding, we pray and we say, okay, let's pray all together. Okay, that's kind of what we do. We're, we're northern Minnesota people. We, we pray kind of quietly. Or some people are more loud, but more likely we don't. But in a Jewish understanding, it is not possible for, for the most part to pray unless you're praying aloud. You know, that's what got Daniel in trouble in the Old Testament. When they told him he couldn't pray, what did he do? Open up the window and prayed. Well, he didn't, if he would have silently prayed, he might have got by with it, but he says, I can't pray that way. I got to pray out loud. All right? And it's all this stuff that is happening. And it says he, f and so he goes and he prays, and he falls on the ground and prays. This is not how you pray. Now, the one thing is that he prays aloud, but he is so overcome. Have you ever been in a situation where you just can, your feet go out from underneath you? You're in such pain. Your feet, his feet just go out from underneath him. He just falls down in prayer on his face. For us, again, Jesus understands pain. Jesus understands because for the first time, 
He's been telling them about what's going to happen. But as that hour comes closer, as that hour of his uh, persecution, as his hour of betrayal, as the hour of his crucifixion, he knows what's coming and it is hitting him. It has been psychological studies have been done that actually waiting for something bad to happen is worse than the bad thing happening. There's been constantly studies on that. So he's at this point where he knows what's coming and it's just tearing at him. And he understands pain. So just a little side note, when you pray to Jesus, say, you don't understand the pain. Jesus says, yes, I do. Because I fell from my face and said, dear God, help me. And he prayed, if it's possible, God, the hour might pass from them. If it's possible, God, if there's anything that you can do, let it pass from me. And he said, Abba, Father, the thi- all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Probably one of the most famous prayers there said. And we need to pray it ourselves. But the main focus is on Jesus and how he relates to his Father. He goes up to him, he says, Abba, Father. Now, a Jewish person would address God as the Father, but they would never use the word Abba, which is Aramaic, for the intimate form of Father. It is when you go up to somebody that you, that you have an intimate relationship with your Father. There are some people that only have an informal relationship or a formal relationship with their Father, and they just say Father. But this is an informal or an understanding that there's an intimate relationship. And he cries out to him. And that tells you where his heart is. Dear God, my Father, who I know loves me, if there is any way, I know, first of all, that all things are possible for you. I like how he says that. He says, I know that all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from you, from me. And this tells us a couple things. First of all, that God's completely in charge. God's completely in charge. And it also means that he can remove the cup. If, it, if it's God's will, he can remove it. So the cup is given to Jesus by God the Father. It is not an accident what happens. This is not just a fate thing. This is not just, well, he got caught up in the wrong place. God is actively making this happen. And Jesus is crying out, if it is possible, if there's another way, let it change. But at the end, he says these words, yet not what I will, but what you will. And this is something, what's exciting about this is as this goes later in the Bible, that Paul will say that we now, in Romans 8 and Galatians 4, he will say, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts saying, cry, Abba, Father, that we can cry out to God today like this. That we can go to God just like Jesus did. And we can have intimacy with God and say, God, I do not know what is going on. I know all things are possible. Please make this go away if it's possible. And I go to a Father that loves me, that is all-powerful, but I need to also accept that you are in charge, God. I have enough respect for you to say that you are in charge. Jesus asked for a direct action from God. The same thing as the hour. He's not looking... He, he's looking for something, an escape. And you say, whoa, whoa, isn't Jesus ready for this? He's in such pain, he's saying, if there is another way, but I will accept this way. And that's what happens when there's a difficult time. There are things that we have to go through. Jesus knew, got the answer. He's going to have to go through this, but it's okay to ask to be taken away from it. And so Jesus goes out and he says, well, I'll go check in with the guys that are here supporting me. And he came and he found them sleeping. 
And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So sleep come nat- comes naturally. They're just sitting there going, okay, we're supposed to watch. And think about this now. As I was thinking about this, they could hear Jesus probably crying out, and they still fell asleep. I don't know if I've ever grasped that before. If you hear Jesus crying, I, I can't imagine hearing Jesus cry. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard people, <laughs> some people use this with their kids. When you do that, you make Jesus cry. Okay, that's not a nice thing to say. I've heard parents see that. But it, literally, Jesus is crying out right here. And they're sleeping. And he tells them, first of all, he looks at Peter, and what does he call him? Simon, are you asleep? He reverts to his old name. Remember, Peter means rock. You're my rock. He goes, no, Simon, you're not at the rock today. You're Simon. Ouch. Are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray. You notice the word coming up? Watch, watch, watch. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What he is telling him is, I realize you're tired. And I realize some things are also going to come up in your life that are going to be very difficult. But right now, I need you to be on your edge. Not just for me, but for you, because pray that you don't enter into temptation. This is the, uh, different than what he prays in the Lord's Prayer. It says, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead me not into temptation. Here it says, you can't handle the temptation, so pray that you don't have to be tempted. Because your flesh is so weak right now, you need a lot of watch and pray right now, and you need to have this going in your life. So he repeats the word watch, watch. They failed in watch and prayer. Because the Spirit is willing, our higher nature in us is always willing to do the right thing. But the flesh is the lower urges that want self-interest and the easy way out. The self-interest is, I'm tired, just let me rest. I don't want to keep pushing this way. Just let it go. He is saying, you must push on. So he went away and prayed, did the same words, and it says that they, again they found him sleeping. He found him sleeping again. And they said, for their eyes were very heavy. Okay, they're tired. And it's kind of interesting. He comes back, and we don't hear what he says to them, or what he confronts them. And all they can say to themselves is, that's the response right there. They didn't know how to answer him. They didn't know how to answer him. Because, yeah, we're failing. I, I think they realize that they're blowing it right now. But they, they're still blowing it. Their flesh is, he just told them, watch and pray, something really bad is coming. You need to understand. Okay, 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 we got it. What? Didn't I just tell you this? And so they're, they are ashamed and there's no adequate. And the third time he comes to me, he says, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? And he says, finally, it's enough. The hour has come. He says, the time has come. The hour that I talked about. I've accepted the fact that the hour has come. My persecution is happening. My betrayer is at hand. The hour is at hand. He senses that Judas is right there. They don't know what's going on, but he senses it. He says, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. He says, rise and let us go. And let us go. He says, my betrayer is at hand. And what he says is, let's advance and do what God has called us to do. He is ready to go and take the punishment of sin on himself. And he says, now is the time where you're going to see all your big claims that you made to me to see what's going to happen. So he says, rise and let us go. They were supposed to be preparing for this moment. Instead, they were sleeping. And so he looks at him. He says, 
My, and Judas is, is going to, next thing we see is Judas coming up to them. And Judas is going to walk up to him. And I like how it says, and while he was still speaking in verse 43, Judas came, one of the twelve. I love how Mark puts that in there. Yeah, we know who Judas is. Okay, we've introduced him before, but he says, by the way, one of the twelve, one of the guys who should have known better. He just kind of puts that in there, a little shot at Judas. He also calls him the betrayer. And he, and he came in and he says, they come with swords and clubs from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. So Jesus is on top of the situation. He knows what's going on. But here they come at him with swords and clubs. What do they think is going to happen? That Jesus has got this big army, but they came at him this way. And then now the betrayer, which is Judas, gave them a sign saying, the one I will kiss, and he says, I'm going to kiss the person that you're supposed to seize. He says, when I kiss him, you seize him right away. And you make sure he stays under guard. Because you know Jesus, that guy's one scary dude. He's like Chuck Norris. He, you saw him in the temple. He'll ki- roundhouse kick you and you'll never get, there's no way. Really? I love that. You've got to seize him right away. So Judas, again, here's a, just a misunderstanding of who Jesus, Jesus is. Judas says, seize him right away. Under guard. No, Jesus says, I'm willing to go. You could have taken me any time. So they went up to him and Judas kissed him, which is a normal way to greet your leader, uh, your rabbi. And he says, rabbi, and he kissed him and they laid hands on him and seized him. Okay? And they seized him to present, prevent him to escape. And then, those who were with the, one of those who was with him drew his sword and struck the ear or the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And so one of his followers actually goes the wrong direction. And Jesus looks at them. He doesn't even talk about this. Mark doesn't even go into this. But Mark says, if you or Jesus says, if you come out with me against as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me. He says, day after day I was with you in the temple. So in other words, you saw me every day. What are you doing with the clubs? What are you doing with all this? Do you think there's going to be some kind of a, a, a big battle here? The scriptures need to be fulfilled. I have been saying that I'm going to be turned over to the high priest. It's okay. And here's the, one of the hardest messages of the Bible. Verse 50, very short words. And they all left him and fled. One of the most dis... It, Think of a moment in your life, and unfortunately I, have, I, have, I think I have too many, and I think a lot of us do, where that moment where you could just take the Wayback Machine and go back and say, that was embarrassing. I, I should have stood up at that moment. I should have been better at that moment. I should have stayed there. I shouldn't have walked away. I shouldn't have picked on that person. I shouldn't have done this. I should have stood up for Jesus. I shouldn't have turned my back. And this is the moment were their big moment. He says, rise, let us go. The, the hour is at hand. And this is their hour. What do they do? Run. It says they all fled. They just took off. Took off running. It doesn't say that they you know, walked away. Because Peter had said, I'm going to stand up to you even to death. Absolutely. Woo. Do a little you know, Hussein Bolt on the way out of the place. Not one of them stood with him. So Jesus needed his friends. He called them to pray with them. They didn't pray. He called them to be with them, to watch. They fell asleep. He called them over and over again. I need you, I need you, I need you. I'm going to need you during my trial. They all run away. And then one of the strangest stories in the Bible. Been argued about for many times. But, and a young man followed him. 
with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Okay, one of those things in the Bible where people write papers about this going, who is this guy? And why is it in the Bible? But a lot, basically what we understand is this is an understanding of how much the abandonment was. That there was somebody that found out that Jesus was being taken and he threw on a garment really quick and ran out there. And as soon as he saw what was going on, he took off, but they tried to grab him and he runs away naked to show, and the word that we think, the reason it says naked here is to talk about the shame that they all felt. The reason we think Mark put this story is that's how we all felt just like this guy as we ran away naked and ashamed basically. This is shamed at what we had done. So, what is this? How does this apply to our lives? This is a great story. There's a lot of things in it. The first thing we need to know, I think, is that we need the help of others. The, the help of others is needed for difficult times. If Jesus needs other people to stand with him and pray, how much more do we need other people to stand with us and pray? If he needs Peter, James, and John to come with him and say, stay and watch and pray with me, stay and watch with me, how much more do we need it? We're not lone warriors. I talk to so many people, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to go to church, or I don't want to be in a small group, or be accountable, or go back and forth. I've heard some people say, well, uh, you know, I'd have to pray for other people and pray for them. That's the point. We're called to do that. We're called to bear one another's burdens, it says. And we're never alone as the body of Christ when we unite. We're never alone. You should never have a point when we come together as a group that we uh, don't have someone to pray with you. Jesus, as fully human, needed their support in the troubling times. Verse 32, sit here while I pray to all the disciples. Verse 34, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. He's not even asking them to pray with him necessarily. He doesn't give them a specific thing. He says, I just need you here. I just need you on guard. I just need you with me because I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And have you ever been there? Been in the situation where you just need someone with you? And what's the biggest problem that we have? And I can tell you this. What I, I can tell you about being on the other side. You don't know what to say. Have you ever been there? Well, I don't know what to say to that person. Sometimes you don't have to say anything except sit there and just be with them. Because when people are going through something hard, they just need to know that somebody cares about them. They just need to know that somebody's watching them. Jesus said, I need my inner three. You guys are the guys that are supposed to depend on. I need you during this time. And Jesus is praying, and they need to have the right action. The other night, instead of having the action, what was their only action that they had? It says in another gospel that Peter was the one who cut off the ear. The only action they had was, well, maybe we'll cut somebody's ear off. Okay, so sometimes you can take the wrong action. So if somebody says, why don't you come and pray with me, what do you want me to pray with you about? Well, my boyfriend's being weird. Well, I'm just going to go beat him up. No. Okay, that's an extreme example, but so is cutting somebody's ear off. I want to state that. Okay, cutting somebody's ear off is an extreme reaction. Jesus says, I don't need you to cut people's ears off. I need you to be with me. I don't need you to have all the answers from God. I don't need you to have all the scripture verses I need. I just need you to be here with me. The next thing we need to understand is watchful prayer is needed in our lives. Notice the word watch. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, said to his disciples again, sit here while I pray. 
And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? 38, watch and pray. You get the terminology. What is he saying to them? Watch. What does watch mean? You don't know what's going to happen. Be ready for anything that can happen. Okay? If I told you, I love those commercials they have on TV where, um, I can't remember what the commercial was for, where they would pr- tell you in the morning all the bad things that were going to happen in your life. Okay, at 3 o'clock, your tire's going to blow out. 2 o'clock, somebody's going to try and break into your house. Well, thanks for that notice. You know, it's just like, okay, you can't do that, so what do you do? You take precautions. You check your tires. You have somebody watch over your house. You do things like that. We don't know the future. One of the famous verses that we've already talked about, Jesus has already brought this up. If you look at Mark 12, 32-37, you see this, be on guard and keep awake. He's already told them the end times are coming, the hour is coming, be on guard and keep awake. And then in verse 34 it says, stay awake. What have they not done? Stay awake. And then he says in verse 35, stay awake. Uh, you you kind of get the impression you're supposed to stay awake. Unless he come and finally find you asleep. And finally I say to you, stay awake. So he says, watch, be on guard, and stay awake because you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's coming. I've read, I keep reading these books, especially about, you know, what event's going to happen, what tragic event's going to happen in life and all this. He is saying, you need to be ready and how you watch is that you are in watchful prayer. He says the spirit is willing to make it through this, but the flesh is weak, and the only way you're going to make it is if you have the power of God's spirit and the power of prayer helping you get through these times. Jesus had modeled being ready for this, but they were not ready because their flesh was weak. They fell asleep. No matter how many times he said don't fall asleep, they fell asleep. They cannot handle temptation. And they couldn't handle the temptation the first and second and third time that they were tempted by sleep and they, were, they fell asleep every single time. And finally he says, enough, it's come, and they scatter. Only prayer enables one to answer the call when something hard comes in your life. Without prayer, you will fail. Now that's a pretty harsh statement. And I'm not saying it, I'm saying that's what Mark is saying right here. He is showing that the disciples, without praying, they had no chance in this situation. Their fear overcame them. Because what did Jesus himself needed to pray? And again, I go back to that. The Son of God, the one who's created everything, who knew it was coming, he had to pray. How much more do we need to pray for something difficult in our life? And we don't know the future, but he says, watch and be awake, be on guard, be in prayer, and you can make it through things. The followers of Jesus who do not pray and try to follow on their own power will collapse when tough times come. But if we follow Jesus and pray and be on guard and realize that there's an enemy, the temptation is coming, our flesh is weak, but our spirit is willing, we need to pray for that power. The right prayerful attitude is needed. Jesus shows us the perfect example of how to pray. He suffered pain and anxiety and was tempted. And how did he make it through? Well, Hebrews 5, 7 through 8 talks about this. In the days of his flesh, this is talking about the fact that Jesus was a real live person. Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. Okay? To him who was able to save him from death 
and he was heard because of his reverence. Get this, he was heard. You say, no, 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 he wasn't. He didn't get out of it. That is not what it says. It says he was heard. God hears every prayer. Does God answer every prayer? Yes. God doesn't answer it the way you always want it, but he hears and he answers every prayer. And though he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now here's the thing we need to understand. Um, in a Jewish audience, when they were looking at this, Mark's early readers were looking at this, they understood what was called a Jewish lament. And in a Jewish lament, you, you basically say, uh, you don't have a fully, you're not fully controlled, you're not strained with politeness, you have a rush of emotion, complaint, and even recrimination, recrim recrimination, sorry. The believers pour out their hearts to God. In other words, you yell out, God, this isn't fair, I hate this, those people are mean, this is terrible, what's going on, I don't like this. And that was the way Jewish people prayed. And that's the way Jesus was praying for right here, because the words he was using are from the Psalms. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And all of these things are saying, get it out. Let God know the attitude that we should pray when we're going through difficult times is, it hurts. I don't like this. Ow. Okay? If that's all you can yell, just ow. This is not good. I like having a job and not having a job. I, I don't like going through the financial thing. I don't like having this physical thing. I don't like this. It's okay to tell God what is on your heart. Jesus did. He asked for it to be removed from him. And that is okay. That is okay to call that out. And it's thought here that he was sorrowful even to death. And he is saying, I will follow after you, but I need to let you know how I'm feeling. And if you look back at 11:22 to 25, there's verses there that talk about having faith in God and that we are supposed to ask and that a mountain can be thrown into the sea and that if we ask with faith and believe what he says will come to pass, it'll be done for him. And whenever, whenever you stand praying and he talks about these things, everything Jesus did fell within this parameter. He followed the pattern. Because there are some people who are going to tell you today that there's just a formula for God. You just need to get that right formula. And for $29.95, I'll give you that formula. Usually that's what it comes after, just for the record. Or if you give me enough money, I will give you the formula to get God to do the, what you want every time. No, they followed exactly how he told them. He prayed exactly like they told him, or he told them that they were supposed to. And what did he have to come to? The deliverance is possible. He says, I believe that you can do this and you have the power to do this, but God, if you cannot remove this cup, I need to accept your will. And only after we go to God in prayer and really lay out our heart hurts, it's okay to go to God and, and yell, okay? It's okay to God to say, I don't like this. I hurt, but not my will, but yours be done. And the only way we're ever going to get to that last line of not my will, but your will be done is through time of lamenting and prayer before God. We have to go through this. You can, do, you can say God, you can ask him to do anything, but you need to accept God's will, and this is only possible through prayer. And lastly, what Mark wants us to know we need to accept forgiveness and restoration for our failure to watch and pray. Because let's be honest, the disciples look terrible here. All right? And I was thinking about this as I was going through this. Mark is writing this 
Peter has given him the information to write this, all of the people that are reading this are going, oh, by the way, those are our leaders now. Oh, great. They look awesome. Let's become part of their church. But guess who was the head of the church? Peter, James, John. These guys were the head of the church. And I, I bet there, I mean, do you think there were many jokes like, are you going to fall asleep today? I don't know if they did that, but, but you know, it was just constantly, I mean, that might have been very nice. But here they are looking at fallen leaders of their own leaders that are fallen. And what we have to learn from this is every one of us is going to fall too. Every one of us is not going to be there at the right time. Every one of us is going to have a bad attitude and we should have had a better attitude. Some of us are going to fall asleep when we should have been there watching. And Peter, remember Peter, I will never betray you to the death. James and John were worthy to drink the cup. They were the insiders. And Jesus said though in 1427, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He knew their weaknesses, but you know what he told them in this verse? I will come back and get you. If you're here today and you have blown it during a situation, you have not trusted in God and accepted his will, instead become bitter. I think that's what happens when we don't accept God's will. We just become bitter. But if you've had that happen, you know what God is saying? I am here to gather you back in. I'm not here to condemn you. Jesus didn't come back and after he rose from the dead and say, I've got some scores to settle with you guys. I mean, could you imagine how frustrating that would have been for Jesus? But he comes back and and he gathers them in. He gathers them in. He says, I forgive you. Now I want you to plant my church. You guys who just failed me miserably. But because I'm... what I have to bring to you is greater than your own weaknesses. This can happen. And so readers would have looked at this and said, you know what? If Peter can go from Simon to Peter, back to Simon, and now to Peter again, who preaches at Pentecost, and 3,000 people are saved, here at this time he gets a, basically the last words Jesus said to him are, Simon, what are you doing? Are you asleep? I don't get it. That's the last word he hears, and then he goes into becoming the guy who becomes the rock of the church. And Mark, who received this gospel from Peter's teaching, Peter does not look great at the time, but he says, look, he's the leader of our church. So what I want you to tell you is Jesus gives us the understanding, and the disciples give us the the negative example of how not to handle a difficult situation, and Jesus gives us the positive example. And both of these were written so that we would understand how to handle these things in our life. And we can go through difficult times. And sometimes when we pray, God is going to take the cup away from us. Because Jesus says it right here, with God all things are possible. And it says if we do not pray, things will not happen. There are things that you are going through that you don't need to if you would just pray about them. But there's also, you need to pray and ask God and lay it out to him. But at the same time, if it is his will, he will give you the peace and he will say, I will take you through this. I will take you through this. Just like he took Jesus through this, just like Jesus now can take us through this, we have hope in God. Why don't you stand with me right now? If our prayer ministers could come forward. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never made him the Lord and master of your life, you've never, you've never followed after him, You've never allowed him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and transform you. Today is the day to make that commitment. 
You're not here by mistake. You're here because God wanted you to be here, and he wants to bring you hope. He wants to bring you salvation. Or if you're here today and you need someone to pray with you, you've got a situation so big, you know why we have people pray with you? Because exactly what this verse says, we need people to pray with us. Jesus needed people to pray with him. How much more do we need it? So we have prayer ministers that are available right now. But for everybody else here, either you're going through a hard time, you recently got out of a hard time, or you're about to go through a hard time. That's, that's life. Okay? Or you're going to help somebody in your life. Okay? You're going to be confronted by a coworker or a neighbor or something like that that's going through something. And these verses need to speak to us and say, God, all things are possible through you. Let us be the people that stand next to people that are hurting. Let us stand together as a church. Let us invest in one another so we have that case. And God, let us have the right attitude and be watchful constantly in prayer because we don't know what things are coming out, but God, let us be ready for whatever temptation, whatever problem is coming up, let us be there. And let us take that attitude of Christ, that attitude of prayer of Christ, that God, all things are possible, and God, I need deliverance. But God, if it's not to be delivered this time, give me what I need to get through. And lastly, we need to know that accept God's forgiveness if we have strayed or we've gotten bitter because God's here to gather us back in. If you're here today and you say, I'm far away from God because I let something bad in my life get between me and God. I let a sickness or a relationship or something that was unfair happen. And I never have forgiven God and have never allowed it to just be. God is here to say, I'm here to gather you in. He said, the shepherd, the image of the shepherd is here for you today. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you, God, that you um, care about us. I thank you, God, that you, although your human side experienced such pain and distress, we don't understand how painful this was, God, to know what you had to go through for us. But God, you took it because you knew it was God's will and you knew you out of your love for us. And God, I pray right now as we go through difficult times that we follow your example. And Lord, we use the example of the disciples to tell us what not to do, but also to understand, God, that we can be forgiven if we don't always follow through. And God, I look to you today. I look to you for everybody who's here, God, for everybody who's struggling. Let us stand with them. Let us let people go to others in prayer. Let us come to church, God, looking for opportunities to minister to one another. Let us stand so we can bear one another's burdens. Let us watch and pray and be diligent, God, and help out others because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, God. The flesh tells us just to not bother and just to stay on our own and not, God, let us be people that love one another and pray for one another. And just remember, God, it's not our will, but yours be done because your will is perfect, God. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.